I might have to kill the uh, video feed because my beloved is watching Netflix. Uh, Shannon, you ruin everything. First, uh, your wedding by being there. Second. <laughs> so, Luke, I have a question for you. I've got an answer for you. This has been burning in my bosom forever. That's, that's, that's what I've heard. How do you figure out when it's time to move on? Oh, funny! You should bring that up. Big move like, on from decisions. your job, yeah. from your job, from uh, spouse, <laughs> from <laughs> that meal. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> from so okay. Um, honestly, I I'm a very very big fan of um the idea of you're not running away from something; you're running to something. Okay. I think that's uh, you know. So when I quit on football in in high school, I 100 percent think that's what the Lord was calling me to do. That I think He was calling me to play in 12th grade. I did not because I was lazy. And um, <laughs> Luke, I uh, want you to come back, come back to football. Oh no, my God, Lord, you, I enjoy being lazy. You need to work out, dear God. You need the structure, and you need to work out. <laughs> um, so uh, I was running to the Lord. Like the God was calling me, and I said, "I know, like God is like Christ is doing something in my life, and I need to I need to walk away from this to whatever Christ is calling me to. I don't know what that is, but that's what I'm going to." And that changed everything. I there's a very real chance that that moment does not happen. I'm not here for right now. You, there's a direct line from that to being on this podcast here on a Sunday night. Uh, so thanks a lot, Coach Stone. No, but um, <laughs> uh. And I, I think so. I, I think one. Um, how about we? Okay, I'm going to do a little bit of a list, an, an, an impromptu um, list, and then you um, comment on it. How does okay. that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay, so so tell me about like this idea of like you're running to something. Okay, have you experienced that? When have you when have you done that? I think my greatest temptations. I think I am most tempted to leave a job because of how bad it is, not because I feel like there's something good I'm going to. It wasn't honestly, it wasn't until my current job here at St. Anthony's when my, uh, you know, old boss, uh, older youth minister, when she called me up and was like, I want you to do adult faith formation. And I was at my current job doing middle school youth ministry. And I was like, yes. Like, I remember before I hung up the phone, I said yes in my head. Uh, and, and I, and I had one question, um, because I never got to teach morality, really. You know, you teach except for like chastity yes. and don't I know, and maybe some of that type of stuff. But you don't really teach like moral theology. And I was oh, this is why you got so mad when I brought up the point that other people have echo that Christianity is a morality. Mm. Sure, but the idea, <laughs> I know, the idea is like no one, no one does moral formation the way I got it. Like yeah. at at Franciscan, like Christian moral principles was incredible. And it's like, no one ever gets that. No one ever hears that. No one ever does that. One of my that's favorite a, books of all time. That's a good point. It was, yeah, one of my favorite books of all time is The Sources of Christian Ethics. And when I said, well, like, what do you want to see? Like, just give me a for instance. And I was like, please say morality. Please say morality. And she said, you know, we have a bunch of Bible studies, but no one ever talks about morality. And I was like, oh. So that would be the one time when I left a job, not because I felt like things got so bad, but because I was chasing a good. Like, honestly, that felt... Like, hey, it really, really sucks saying goodbye to this situation, these people, these friends. However, I'm going to something that I know is the. It felt like the next step for me. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's. I think that is is good. It's and it's. Um, 
I don't think you should like throw away your whole life for a on a feeling, which is like what I was what I did when I I was sixteen. Well, actually, no. When I was I'm sixteen, it wasn't a feeling. It was this gut like I had to. It was just there was no other option but but to do that, which I think was definitely a prompting. It was that was how the Holy Spirit was communicating to me, and I really do believe that. So you would say it was more than a feeling. <laughs> mm. More than a feeling. Yes, I know. I was trying to remember the next part. <laughs> Yeah, it's the part that I always mumble. Andy's furious with us right now. I think uh, Andy loves the uh, early to mid 80s rock. God bless her. It was her era. God yeah. bless so, her. So, um, I mean, like, not like the hair bands, but like the radio rock. Like, she loves the journey. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Fair oh, enough. I'm going to cough so much. Um, do you edit, did you edit out the coughs no. last, last week? No. Okay. No, I thought they were, I thought they were beautiful. I need people to hear, like, my pain and my phlegm. Okay, so as you get older, as you grow in virtue, as you grow in holiness, as you decline in holiness, as all – as, like, life happens, then you start to, you know, just being in your 20s, which is a freaking mess, and then your 30s, which is, like, a mess but, like, with bigger stakes, or, like, you're, like, a mess but with money. This is when things like prudence and other things come into play because I think a very big thing that a lot of – this is the American way is that the grass is greener on the other side. It is ingrained in our brains, in our DNA, to think that, and that just simply isn't true. Pretty much anywhere you go, for the most part, I'm about to go into number two here soon, where the grass is greener. But um, by and large, most of the problems that people have at their jobs are self-imposed problems. Mm. They're unable to handle certain people because they just can't let go of um, certain things, or they have, and and, and that's at times that's kind of valid. Yeah, because you might not be in a place where you're able to really, um, you know, maybe you don't have the self confidence, or perhaps you don't have, you know, you you haven't been able to really find the healing that that you need, or blah 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 blah. Like more often than not, your problems at your job are your problems. So, like, I think for me, one of the things that the diocese that I truly struggled with was this is a thing that my therapist brought up was like, yeah, with ADD, a job like that would have been torture. Mm. You know, just there's. It's not the lack of – it's not the fact that I didn't have a boss telling me what to do. It's that I didn't – there just wasn't anyone there to really be like, hey, so uh, what are you doing? Let's talk about that. Let's like – I want to learn more about you know and all that stuff. It's just like yeah. I like a creative environment, but I need a creative environment where I feel like someone actually cares. And and for like a whole lot of unvalid reasons, my boss at the Dice, he's just like he wasn't quite able to do that in the way that like I think I needed. Um, I, don't, I don't blame him for this. For the most part. So uh, I'm trying to be very <laughs> careful here. <laughs> but um, – and that's – I think for me, it's like, okay, so like anywhere I go, this needs to – I need to be aware of this. Like yeah. I need to be talking in regular communication. Uh, uh, like, you know, it doesn't mean that I need to be micromanaged, but I do need to be micromanaged in terms of accountability. Not, not, not necessarily the work that I'm doing, but like are you doing the work that you should be doing? Yeah, because I will chase so many. I'm different. I'm other things and stuff, and that can lead to a lot of misery, or that sort of paralysis by analysis. Really, um, leads to acedia very, very, very um, quickly. I think um, that's when most people are tempted for any other job, and quite often it's not really the prudent thing to do because change is insanely difficult and insanely hard, and change is always painful. 
Hello, my dear, dear friends. This is Luke again, and I'm here to talk to you about stereo. We've been having such a freaking good time on stereo. We were going to be honest, a little bit nervous at first, and it's going really well. As you all have heard, ad nausea, we do a little after party every um, um, like Sunday night, two day later after party, which you know is going to be good. It's always me and Gomer, except for when I had um COVID. Then it was Kate and um Gomer. Thank you, Kate, for stepping in while I was dying. Um, we're having a really good time doing that. Every like Sunday night, we it is at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I apologize that it is that late. Blaine Gomer, uh, we have a really great chat, and you have a chance to actually ask ask us questions live while while we talk. It's a really good time. We've had some new people coming uh, coming like find the show. We've had some people. I don't know. If they're even like having um, conversions because of that, but they're they are um, they are uh, starting to understand like what we're about and what the Catholic Church is about. It's we're having a blast. So every like Sunday. Um, Till the end of this month, 10 p.m., we're, we may even keep this going. We're really in enjoying being on this. Come hang out with us on on the Stereo app. You can actually um, download the app. And, like, so we are at Stereo.com slash Luke Carey, L-U-K-E-C-A-R-E-Y. That is, that is, um, that is, slow down, control your flow, Luke. Stereo.com slash Luke Carey. And, of course, also, we have, uh, we have Stereo.com slash Gomer. Please come and hang out with us. It's fun. Every Sunday night, 10 p.m., every um, Sunday night, 10 p.m., come hang out at the Catching Foxes After Party on Stereo. I feel like many people lose faith in their jobs because something is misaligned from what your expectations were. Maybe you change personally and you have different goals and priorities. You know, maybe you have a kid and now, like, you know, things yeah. have changed. Yep. But That's um, valid. That's valid. And But then there's the misalignment of your leadership, like your boss, right? Um, there's a misalignment between, like, what you thought the company was doing or maybe you got a promotion and what you thought that meant versus what it actually means. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of things where misalignment after a while, you really chafe in that role and it really, uh, it really pushes you away. And I think for a large part of people in church work, misalignment and sanctity and professionalism all kind of run really close together. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to get jaded when you feel like your boss isn't in line with the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. 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 Right, like you, you know what I mean. Like it's not just a job; it's your faith, right? It's not just a job; it's the church, and not being aligned to the mission of the church is kind of a freaking big deal. And so I can see how people would get super discouraged and hide, you know, like oh, it feels like so and so is hiding behind a desk when in fact they need to be evangelizing or you know whatever it might be. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think that leads to like being off mission. For a lot of people, like even secular companies, you know, in the mission that they have, mm-hmm. they talk mm-hmm. about like there's widespread uh, disillusionment. People are just yeah. demoralized yeah. when there is no – when you don't feel a sense of purpose, mission, you're not aiming at anything. And that just gets amplified when it's a church totally. job. You know? Totally. Yeah. And I think – well, I, I also think in terms of church work, you have a lot of people who um, – it's not the heart that keeps you there, but the heart is what brought you to it. Yeah. Quite often, like a stirring of the heart that leads you to church work. Yeah, for the you know, like it's everyone I know who who sticks with it, or who's like you know, I mean, even though I'm not in I'm not in ministry anymore, for the most part, I still consider myself to to be a church worker because I view what I do one as a ministry, but then two, like I'm still working for the Catholic Church in some capacity. Yeah, you yeah. know, my p- 
paychecks for the besides a three month time period out in Denver have and besides at the Olive Garden. <laughs> and my adult life has always been tied to the Catholic Church in some capacity. But what keeps you there is um, that common um, sense of purpose and like that mission and um, the, the, you know the camaraderie and just knowing like this is where I'm meant to be. And you have to understand like where am I meant to be first in order to do that. So I also wanted to add um, we tend to idolize Protestant churches and other businesses, and that is acedia. Or that, that that's actually that can be acedia that uh, quite often isn't right. I was talking to I have a really really good buddy of mine who's a Protestant convert who now works at Glenmary, and we're just kind of like and I was like you know I always hear people will talk about how like Protestant all the ministers especially all the youth ministers they make eighty thousand a year you know they make you know they have they've got great they get great pay and all the stuff these guys do the bulk of Protestant all the ministers aren't getting paid or they're part time. Yeah, and they're trying like very few people actually. When you look at like the amount of churches there are, have a staff that's actually even getting like full time pay or even insurance or something like like that. And he's like, they're a mess. They're an absolute mess. <laughs> they've got all the scars and problems that we have. It's just that we always, when we think Protestant, we think mega church, and we think the the actual millionaires in ministry. Yeah. And they are not. Chris like Tomlin has million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and I think like honestly, if um. If it's the prudent thing, if it's the right, you know, so I'm in a position right now where I'm actually going to be, I'm transferring jobs. I will be the development director over at Lehman Catholic High School, which is about 30 minutes north of Dayton. Very excited about it. And uh, this is a thing that kind of, and it fall into my lap per se, but I was definitely um, asked to interview for it, asked, asked about it. And, you know, I, I am good friends with the president and uh, he was my youth minister in in high school and like I've you know I have known him my whole life and uh it everything that they're doing is like stuff that I that I want to do and it was kind of like oh I can't turn this job down and it was really tough to be able to tell Glenn Mary a group that I love and you know a, a group of unpriest and brothers that I adore and I really like all of my coworkers to say hey I'm gonna be leaving <laughs> first I had, I got yeah. I got the job offer the day before I like had my horrible symptoms so that, that made it even worse but and I was telling I was, I was talking I was uh, talking with the president about it of Glamour. He's just uh, he's this wonderful priest. His name is Father uh, Dan Dorsey. He's just the absolute best. And he's like, no, like, this sounds like it's the right thing for you and your family, and you have to do what's right for them. And that's part of the prudence thing. Like I think it's bad to stay in a job if you know if you have four kids and you make thirty five thousand dollars a year and you have eighty five thousand dollars of debt. No. Right. You know that's not that's not the prudent thing to get, especially if you're in your late twenties or your early early thirties. You can get away with that for, a, for like a, maybe like probably up to five years coming out of college, but then it's go time after that. I I I think. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, one of the things that I think of uh, when when you have something where you're like going from a good to a to a good or something that you perceive as better it is so hard to deliver that news like i think it was harder for me to tell saint lawrence that i was leaving and to say that to father drew than it was for me to quit my job at saint john newman because my job from saint john newman i was leaving some of the environments at saint john newman there were some big issues there that i had an issue with and i was trying to get out of there right the job at St. Lawrence was fun and wonderful and I didn't and I was working with friends of mine that I care deeply for 
and I had other friends of mine who were my core members, and I was building my side hustle, and I had plenty of freedom to do that. It wasn't interfering with the job. So there was so much good that was there, and we lived five minutes with traffic from you know the church. It was so much good that that made it super hard to to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the reason... I don't know. The thing that made it a little bit easier, so having that conversation, just like we were talking about with your um, Father Dorsey, um, with Father Drew, it was like I was breaking his heart, you know? He was like, but Mike, you told me you'd never leave me. And I was like, I know. Now I'm going to make some wild promises that I don't intend to keep. (laughs) We're always going to be parishioners here. Why would you do that? (laughs) I got scared. (laughs) I just started saying things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I really did. And every time I see him, he goes, I remember before you left, you told me you would always be a parishioner. And, like, and I was like, gosh, can I lie to get out of a bad situation? <laughs> Sheesh. Father, do you understand? I have lied to my parents. I have lied to my household brothers. I lie to my wife daily. I lie. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love how, by the way, you never killed your video. Just to, just to be clear, it was only me. So I could, what? I still have my yeah, video I can still um, see you perusing the internet. What? Yeah, I can see you right now. Your head's turned, and you're staring at at uh, something. <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely. Hey, there I am. There I am. Yeah, good thing I didn't do anything weird. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the reason why I ask you these questions is one because I know you're moving on from Glenn Mary, um, but also because, like, you know, like we we often talk like, oh, what would it be like to go, you know, full time and do this? Yeah. And we had some people reach out to us, but like. It is really, really hard to quit your job. It is yes. really hard yes. when wh- how you discern the difference between having a bad day, a bad week, a bad season versus I got to get the hell out of Dodge. The fantasy is easy, but the reality is much more difficult. Yeah, and it's never like the the reality. Like or the fantasy is never equates, right? There's always something bad in it. And that's why I was saying the thing with Father Drew was so difficult because it wasn't like I was like, you suck. I hate this. I hate that. It was like, I, I'm doing something new that I find more challenging. Yeah. And you can't offer that to me. Yeah. And you can't pay me what I, I need because now my family's growing and I'm making the money of a middle school youth minister. Well, and, and, so and even I have to. And even and, and you're right about I, I kind of want to bleed into point two here, uh, if we can, uh, 20 minutes in <laughs> the one point um, is that there's no such thing as um, a self-imposed cross. I had a priest. He said that on one time and I was like, oh, this is changing everything. And uh like you're right. Like you, you're, you're. I'm um, a family was starting to grow. You had a, you had a middle school on um, the youth ministry like salary. That's that's those are typically very low. Um, it was the right. You had to make a prudent choice. I think to stay there because you made a, a, a promise. It's like, well, I did, but have I fulfilled it? You know, because I'm like living my vocation, and that's more important. And this is the demands of it now. And when I went to the archdiocese. Uh, way back when, I remember talking to my buddy. I'm actually oddly enough, I was going to I was going to work with Josh's brother Sean, uh, my very good friend Sean. And I, uh, I, I like when I first called Sean, I was like, hey, like uh, I hadn't talked to Sean in probably almost ten years. And I was like, hey man, uh, one, it's great to talk to you again. Two, I cannot take this job if it's one of those low paying church jobs. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it was the first thing out of like out of my mouth because there was just no way. There was just no way for the age I was, and I knew the Lord was calling me in to ministry. But I'm like, God, this is the one thing. This has to be over. I had a certain. It was a pretty, I mean, still relatively low amount of money, but it had to be within this range, and it was. Uh, thank God I've well, I've well exceeded that now. But uh, <laughs> thanks to patreon.com slash CF. That's patreon.com slash CF. Oh, my gosh. You are all the reason why our kids eat. Um, yeah, no kidding. But uh, it – and I – like I um. I remember talking with this uh, with this um, one young woman who's a really good friend of mine, and uh, we were we were talking about like you know she was kind of starting to debate like you know should I feel the call to go in to ministry, but she hadn't had a lot of experience before, so that meant like perhaps if she wanted to do something that was strictly like relational, she was probably going to have a low paying job. To start off, and this is yeah. someone who had a you know had a re- uh, very good career going for her. Um, I don't want to like say um, too much because I don't want to um, like share her story. But I like the first thing I said was like, "Do you have any a major debt? Because if you do, that's going to be a ma- that'll be like a hu- like a, a huge problem." Um, she like she did not, but it was just I, like that's a real thing that you have to consider is that um, that would be an example I think of a self imposed cross. Mm. Hello, friends. It's your favorite advertising guy. It's Luke here, here to hopefully not botch an ad for a product and a company that I really, really love. So uh, this is an ad here for Choose Life. So uh, Choose Life, C-H-E-W-S-L-I-F-E, Choose Life. You get it? Uh, it is a mama-owned company, so, you know, respect. Uh, and th- their mission is to grow devotion to the rosary respect as well. So they have so they um, have like silicone um, rosaries for the little ones. They have beautiful gemstone rosary bracelets for women and even simple wooden um, rosary bracelets for men. Now, I want to talk about the ones that they make for babies. Uh, this is the silicone, uh, silicone rosaries. Uh, we had a very good friend of the show. Uh, she, she bought a bunch of them for Everly, and Everly is, like, obsessed with them. There's some of her favorite favorite her favorite uh toys that she likes to chew and i'm telling you she likes to chew a lot um in fact i have never seen her eyes be as wide as when she pulled my wife's hair towards her head pulled my, which then pulled my wife's head down because she was pulling her hair and when she saw the bun on um on aaron's head everly's eyes lit up in a way that i didn't know was possible for for a baby to do she then pulled aaron's head even <laughs> even closer to her and tried to and like um, opened up her mouth to try to eat the bun that was that was on Aaron's head, the bun of Aaron's hair. So, in, but uh, so we try to have we try to have Everly not eat hair, and instead we're like chew on these rosaries. It's which sounds weird to say out, out loud, but it's really really cool. I cannot recommend this enough. Like honestly, I would tell you about this. I was actually going to bring this up on, on, on the podcast at some point in time, and then I saw that that, um, that they wanted to do an ad. I was like, that is perfect. Um, they are really – I really like Choose Life a lot, and I'm going to get them for anyone that we are the godparents of, including my friend Nick, who we still have to get a – we have to give a gift to uh, his son because uh, Aaron is the godmother. And I honestly – we're going to go – we're going to we're going to go to, um, to Choose Life, and that's the gift that we're going to get. So – and the great thing is, is that they've started the launch of their spring line. On it was started this past week, March 11th, and they're gonna they're actually gonna have like rosaries and more and more amazing online products, which can be found on 
their website, ChooseLife.com. Again, that is www.ChooseLife.com. And as always, guess what? If you if you use the code CatchingFoxes10, that is CatchingFoxes10. Guess what you're going to get? That's right, 10% off your purchase. So go to ChooseLife.com, buy a bunch of really cool rosary stuff. Uh, I'm telling you, if you have if you like have babies and if they are um, teething, you need to buy these rosaries right now. Um, and then you're able to use the code on the Catching Foxes 10 for 10% off of your purchase. And if you are a uh, if you're a new godparent or if you're a godparent that hasn't done anything like myself, starting to feel a little bit guilty, this is your sign that you need to do more. Go to ChooseLife.com and use the code on the Catching Foxes 10 for 10% off of your purchase. Thank you to Choose Life for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Another one would be, I think, if you don't work for a business where the roof is leaking, right? Yeah. Especially if they're like a 20-year-old business. Now, if they're new and if it's like, if it's like a startup and it's like, yeah, this is kind of like a crappy space, but like here's where we're going. Like don't go to a church if the pastor and you aren't aligned. It's not going to work. Don't enter into a thing where you're like, oh, this is bad, but I can, but like, I can fix it unless you're like, am I good at it? Can I really fix it? Is this what I do? <laughs> those self-imposed crosses like that's not the lord that's more often than not that's pride or um wishful thinking isn't it funny how a self-imposed cross is a manifestation of pride yeah absolutely like, i can do I mean, this yeah. my life is miserable but my misery means i'm a hard worker or something like <laughs> yeah. that yeah yeah so like here's an example i think of a self-imposed cross for me that i will want to do is that i will uh I'm starting to see that I'm very, very much a people person, but I'm a people person who wants to make other people happy. Yeah. And so there are times that I'm like, dude, you just need to walk away from this. <laughs> like, you just need to walk <laughs> Is away. Is this you talking to yourself? Yeah. yeah. You're the yeah, dude? I'm like, yeah, dude, okay. just like, there's no, like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you talking to these people? Why are you trying to, like, get involved? Like, why are you, why, like, why? What's the point of this? And I'm like, there is no point besides I just want to make this work. And, continually to like put put more put more bones or more skin on that like what do you mean like give me a for instance without you know spilling the beans yeah yeah. um i'm trying to find a way to to do it not there's a group that's involved (laughs) with some stuff at a place that i used to work i like stuff yeah, it's a bad – yeah, no, this is a bad that's – that's actually a bad – okay, I'm going to go um, back to Summon a Cat. Okay, so when I was the principal of a school, I probably shouldn't have said you that. You were the I principal know. of a school. <laughs> 28. <laughs> <laughs> One time I went out until 1230 and did announcements at 8 a.m. the next day. Hi, kids. Could you all keep it down? Uh, janitor, could you turn down the lights? This bright light's giving me a freaking headache. Hey, if it sounds like Mr. Carey is speaking for the center of an ashtray, that's because I am, bitches. Two bars of that night. Two bars. All the bars in town. Um, Do you know why they call it a pub crawl? Because I physically couldn't walk standing up. I had to crawl home in my own filth. Anywho, today's lunch will be Sloppy Joe's. We're going to pray the Angelus. God bless you. Now let us pray the Holy Spirit prayer. I'm probably going to... Hold on a second. Screw it up. Can someone go to the back and give me the text of it? Listen, it's just... I just imagine you yelling at the secretary. Dan! Dan, give me some water. JD! It's in the back of my throat. I can taste it. Give me some water. Get the prayer thing. You know I went to a charismatic community growing up. I don't know a lot of memorized prayers. (laughs) How did I end up in this Regnum Christie school? (laughs) 
there's a rule here about last year where women couldn't wear pants. That's weird. <laughs> but there's no rule that I can't wear a dress. Hence the bar last night. <laughs> Just we got that special lunch thing today. I forget what it's called. I'm new here. What? Ah, oh, you freaking nerd. No, okay, sorry. Anyways, um. <laughs> so Luke, what happened when you were a principal? <laughs> So I, I think there's um, – you have a lot of families who are coming at you that you like you know very well. You know what they care about and all these things and you know and you have like staff members and you get to know these people very, very well. And they are your friends. People, you've been at their house to have dinner. Like you have built up relationships with them and it's – um you I think I always – I just wanted to like – break down like i wanted to do everything i could anytime that anyone had like had um had any issues even though at times like you wouldn't you would um, know what the answer was there's other stuff that really needed your attention so i could i could have delegated stuff or i could have just been like listen here's my honest answer about this um yeah like this is what i think and if you want to go to the board i understand but like this is just the way that it's you know and I, you could it's um I always – I hate hurting people's feelings, and I hate having to let people down. And sometimes I want to provide too much context, and it actually, in the, in the long run, takes up too much time. And it pulls me away from other things. So I need to be aware of that. So it's a thing that I actually like, – I, like I do know there are certain areas that I know I can spend too much time in. It tends to be just like with people and a lot of like issues that are going on. And there are other areas that I will tend to um, – ignore that can be things like operation based or um paying attention to like our budget or just like you know other things i'm like it's it's something like i'm crazy with you know i go like nuts with that stuff or anything i don't but it's uh, it's not gonna be my gut thing to go in every day and like let's check the school's budget you know i just this is not my you know but i need it yeah. so i would i would like tell um people you need to bring this to, please if you can bring this to like um, my attention at certain points and you know X amount of um, times a month or something, so I'm so I'm, so I'm aware of what's of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why I asked you this is someone sent me this article, um, and I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, they sent me this article about signs that you know it's time to quit your job, and I thought it, some of them were really really interesting um, in terms of like this is how they start the article. If you don't like what you see in the mirror, it's time to go. We've all had bad days. Uh, at the office, but if you can't remember the last good day you've had at work, it might be time to seriously consider quitting. Of course, you'll want to you'll want more to go on than this, which is why we compiled a list of signs. And so one of them was you're bored all of the time. Your skills aren't being tapped. Your employer goals and your personal mission don't match. Eh, okay. You always feel physically, emotionally, or mentally exhausted. You feel like you can never win. Nothing you do is ever good enough. Uh, you always have to watch what you say. That that makes me feel super uncomfortable. You got to watch yeah, what you say all yeah. the time because that's getting bigger and bigger more and more often. Little things, even little things, feel overwhelming. You're not growing. You can't laugh out loud at work. Your company isn't invested in you. I think a lot of church workers might feel that yes. way. Yes, right. Like yes. they don't. The church doesn't because we don't have a path up. Right. Like okay, you're in this job, great, but. There's nowhere for you to go, right? Like, like, like there's nothing of like, here's how we're going to serve you and make sure that you're happy here, yeah. which kind of goes into yeah. my next point. But I want to, I, I want to stay on the um, self-imposed crossing for a bit longer. Okay, okay, yeah. And I'll tell you what, like I, when I was in a particular place that was really bad, my I made it my mission to fix it, and 
I ended that task when I realized I couldn't do that. Like, it, there was no me fixing it. I'm not the savior, but also I'm not the CEO. And a lot of those problems were were truly CEO problems. And I was like, nope, I, I've done what I can do as an employee, and it's it's not enough. So. And that's a tough feeling. The Matrix has ended. It's a new BetterHelp read from your friend, Luke. Uh, so you guys have heard us talk about I'm a BetterHelp before at length. And we're going to talk about Better. That's H-E-L-P again. Listen, BetterHelp can help you get hooked up with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start um, communicating with one in less than like 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional um, counseling done uh, securely online. You've, you've heard it talked about on our show. You've heard it talked about like a whole bunch of podcasts. Look, guys, God wants you to find from a healing. God wants you to be the person he created, he created you to be. And if you're over the age of 25 and you haven't been to counseling, now is the time. BetterHelp is committed to um, facilitating great therapeutic um, matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and this is cool financial aid is available so um, better help wants you to start i'm living a um, happier life today go to their website read all all of the testimonies that are on there posted daily and guess what guys guess what Go to betterhelp.com slash foxes. That's betterhelp.com slash foxes. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been, have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in, in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash foxes. So if you go to betterhelp, you will get 10 percent off your first month that is fantastic thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring yet another episode of everyone's favorite podcast catching foxes take that catholic stuff you should know chasing foxes my ass when you're in a place and, you're, and, and like that's i think part of that i'm um, self like that i'm um, self-imposed cross thing and that it can be the cross of others too where if they're just if if that's not um you know so i am um I just uh, I just got done with a with a book on Audible. It's a it's a brand um, new biography on Stan Lee. I, I think I brought it up last week. Did I? Did I, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, or you brought it up. I think you brought it up on, on stereo. our stereo yeah, yeah. thing. And so it was. It's really it's really interesting. And there was. So do you recall the Stan Lee uh, Stan Lee Media back in the, like the mid to late nineties? The Stan Lee. Yeah. Media? So or sorry, not the uh, Stan Lee Media. Mm. Is that the guy when, when, or is that when he made like the um, comic book television show, the reality show? No, that was Pal, but it was it was right before that. Okay. But it's 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 that's practically the same thing, but um, okay, not quite. But it's like of that era. It's when he did, the, I remembered because there was a thing with um, Pamela Anderson, and I was scandalized. I never like saw, it, but I was scandalized by what it was at at that at that young of an age. Uh, oh my freaking eyes! And. uh so like all of the people who were there, you know, they had like a hundred plus. They had like a hundred. Um, they had a hundred plus employees, but they weren't like they weren't really. Um, they weren't really like, making a- anything. And like you know, after a period of time, people are like, "What the hell's going on here?" Like, 
we're just we're not doing anything. And this is just like mm. this is really not good. And when things like that, and that's when like when like there's a thing that is going on, and like eventually it turns out, oh, because this is a front for these two guys, it's a scam. It's pretty much a scam. And a guy was in, oh, in wow. the jail for uh, Stanley's partner who went to jail for about ten years. I'm sorry, well he got a he got a uh, ten year sentence. I don't remember how long, he, but he got out a little bit early. But um, and there were obvious on the there were like obvious like signs that hey this is really screwed up like people aren't getting paid uh you had these were like certain like um vendors or you know um something weren't getting paid and the stuff that we're doing isn't like it keeps um it it's not working out it's just it's a whole lot of hype and there isn't like there are no actual deals being done and the stuff and the stuff that we're trying to put on this website isn't going up on the website like what the hell's happening here and of course like but when you're so invested it can be hard to see that like hey this is actually kind of bad and i think it's important at times to do as much as you can if you feel like this like there's some really weird stuff going on to try to step out of it like try to say like what would you tell yourself if you didn't know yourself and if it seems like there's all these horrible things going on that are way out of your control, you know, like your boss's boss's boss is actually like a huge crook and it's um, making everyone's life hell. Um, that's an example of a self-imposed cross. Like you're not doing it. It's like this guy is doing it to everyone there. To the, the When the organization has a self-imposed cross, okay, um, get out. Because it's not going to end well. What, what was the context? What was the context of the priest telling you that advice? About the self-imposed. Um, I think we were talking about just um, a ministry within the archdiocese, and like when when you're doing a certain kind of ministry, when do you stay and when do you leave? Mm. And I really like that idea, and I've thought more about that because I think there is a thing to be said. Like sometimes Christ calls us to suffer through something, but I don't think it's hardly ever anything that we're doing to ourselves. And when you work for a company, you're part of this organizational thing. You're part of this. I would dare say. An organic thing. You're part of a bigger body, you know. Okay. And so when that body has like a self-imposed cross, and like, hey, this isn't like we're not paying people. Like, get out. You know, like that's a, that's 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 something. Like, it's time to go. You know. And um, yeah. What do you think about that? Um, it's hard. It's hard to discern, right? Like again, mm-hmm. it's like is is this just the normal course of life suffering? Yeah, it is. It, Conflicts it is. of personalities. You know, not everyone's perfect all of the time in their leadership or skills or whatever. And then you come across this stuff, and yeah, I think I think most of these things, uh, like from that article that I was sharing with you, most of these things is like the only way you know you're going through them is because of the passage of time. Right, yeah. like you can't yeah, know these things immediately absolutely. when they happen. Absolutely. So, because you can have bad days, your boss can have a tragedy at home that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Maybe his parents are dying, and they're in this. You know, a parent is living with him in his house, and they're dying, or something like that. And you don't know what toll that's taking on him, and it might pass, um, or it might not. And it might be something that you just need to leave. But yeah, that's interesting. The the utter nonsense of the self imposed cross, right? Like there are so many crosses that get imposed upon you. You don't need to impose them on yourself. And I think it, you don't need to go looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that like there's a really big difference between like th- like this ministry is hard and just a period of suffering. And um, oh, you're making this impossible. You know, because like. As much as I complain about the archdiocese, and there were times when things felt so impossible just because of the bureaucracy, 
in hindsight, I go, oh, here's how I could have navigated through that. Like, I didn't end up I'm leaving the archdiocese because of because of um, the bureaucracy. It was tough. I had a very hard um, time with it. There are things that I'm like, this didn't need to be this bad. But I left because I was done. Like, I, I think I did, had done what the Lord had called me to do. And that's what that's what really caused me to leave was I realized that I was done. And it was time. Luke, Luke, yes, Lord, Luke, you threw a catching foxes party in a 1960s <laughs> Knights of Columbus Hall. Luke, you fulfilled your purpose. You have peaked. Luke. You have peaked, my child. Peaked, I said. Every, everything else is downhill. Let's be clear here. Have a good marriage. <laughs> if you still enjoyed the occasional cigarette, you would have enjoyed one right in there, but that lady was very angry at you for being there. Remember oh, that? That lady was so was pissed so off. So weird. You paid almost $500 for that space, and they were being terrible to you. Even though it's the most young people that have been there in a half a century. <laughs> Luke, Luke. Yeah. What do you think of? Uh, are, are you have, have we exhausted? Oh this yeah, one? we're exhausting all of this. Uh, I'm. I'm. I've got point. I'm ready for po- uh, point three here. Are you ready? Which, point which three. My, Let's hear. Which will be my Let's last hear. point. Um, okay. You need to understand what's important to you. Like what really. Um, I don't mean this in like a be you be you. I mean like truly, because there are some. Um, okay, so here's what I here's what I mean by this. Pay, people very rarely leave jobs because of the pay. More so with in ministry, yeah. but even then, it's usually because of a bad boss or hits hits culture, or it's like a new opportunity. And uh, I think it's important that you understand, like, hey, like this actually really matters to me. Like, what is it that that really does um, does um, matter to you? And if it's not there, like, don't take that job. Like, yeah. take the job if it's like, hey, again, this is and it's, this kind of like ties into point one, but I think this is actually pretty important because if you really are like I'm miserable, and there are like certain jobs where you're like, why am why am I miserable here? And it's like, oh, because I'm sick and tired of like not making enough money and there's not really a – like they don't have like a salary scale here or anything or like a salary plan. This is like the only raise I'm going to get from here. And this is a common thing at like a lot of – within a lot of um, church work, which, which, I, which I think is sad. The only raise you're going to get is a cost of living increase or if, hey, if you go, hey, I just had another kid. I need a raise. Yeah. And so I uh, get to understand, like, like what's and by important, like, I also mean, like, what do you need in order to exist? And these things of like, you know, I need to have a culture where I would probably die if I went to, if I went and I'm um, worked at about two th- at about two thirds of of any of the parishes that are in the country right now because I do not yeah. do well in a space that sounds insane, but it's true. Bad lighting. Uh, like if it's a whole bunch of introverts, if it's uh, um, like not enthusiastic at all, if it's kind of like a, um, a bitter attitude, there's not really a uh, team karate. You know, like there's no if it's not very team oriented. If everyone's on their own island, I suffer at that. If it's just kind of a, like a bad environment, I really, really, I'm pretty sensitive to the environment that I'm in, which is probably a weakness. And I, I'm just not going to go to a place that if it's like that. I'm just not anymore. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, and you have enough experience where you can begin to make those exactly decisions because exactly. you're not going to produce something good there. Totally, 
totally. And, and right. I don't mean this thing of like, because this is, I haven't heard about this as much anymore, but it's could just because I've aged out of this. It could just be because I saw it. Let me, let's try to pronounce that again. Yeah. It could just be because I've aged out of this. But do you remember back maybe five or, you know, like probably 10, 10, especially during like from 2010 around 2015 or so, there was these things of like our office has like a slide or we have a bar in our office or we've got this, that, and that. And people would want to change yeah, jobs yeah. because they want to go to a place that has a bar. Or they want to go to a place that has like a slide. You know, they want to be able to play video games. And I was, you know, I've, I've had a couple meetings over at P&G and some of the stuff that they have there is incredible. I'm like, oh, I see why you would want to be around this. But like there are some of those things you have to kind of just grow out of because that's not really important. Yeah. You're not going to like, is it really important to you that you can play video games at your job? Mm, probably not. Well, then you found out the real reason why they had all that because stuff. Because they work you to death right. and it's just like this is your life. Yeah, because they never want you to leave. Yeah. So if you'll take a 10-minute break and play Galaga on a video game machine and then go back and work till 9 o'clock at night because you had some fun with your coworkers, like they win. If if you go to their cafeteria and eat their food, they win because you're not allowed to leave and you're having work conversations all the time. At least that's what they hope. I would like to go to a place that has a cafeteria. That'd be nice. <laughs> I would. I would really like that. Really? Yeah, I would. I, I just I love good. I I hate paying for lunch with a passion. And you think it's going to be good food? What if it's bad food? Then you're yeah, that's true. That's true. At least like give me just if I could just work at a Catholic place that doesn't charge you. Like, I don't have change. Don't charge me for things that involve change. No one my age has change. Why are you charging <laughs> us 30 cents for water? No one has change. God, that's so funny. I know. That's a real thing I've experienced multiple times. So what What other signs in the environment? Like, okay, so you said teamwork. Um, you know, the, the coworkers are not bitter. I remember one guy saying, if you were to get a job here, it's the office of the no evangelization. I said, what? And he's like, yeah, it's called the new evangelization. But in this diocese, it's the no evangelization. I've never met meaner people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yikes, what are you going to do? And he goes, what can I do? If we fire them, we, they sue. I said, what if you lay them off and shut down the whole department? He goes, well, how will we do the new evangelization then? And I said, sounds like you're not. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, damn it, good point. Yeah. Good point. I mean- <laughs> To be blunt, when I first got to the archdiocese, and everyone who was on my on my uh, uh, that was on the floor that I was on was an absolute delight, especially all of the older ladies in the education office. I just like love them to death. There was this, well, there is this one lady that's talk about the um, Kardashians with her. Uh, this is before I <laughs> before I knew anything about them. So I'd be like, so tell me about what's going on in this world. Oh, there's a Rob. I did not know that. It was, but it was very, very quiet, and the walls were in. I got so it's like try to imagine it is like a square with bland beige walls. I got lost in a square office, yeah, because I didn't know where I was. Like this is like a weird, I'm shining thing happening. Where am I? <laughs> and um, two twins pop out. <laughs> you want to go to the red room? The red room? There's a red room. That's awesome. It's all red rooms. <laughs> <laughs> this building should either be torn down or insanely blessed um, and torn down and probably burnt and then have some salt, oh, some holy salt tossed, tossed around. <laughs> no, the, now they have a chapel, so everything's fine. Um, but my point being, I think if I had, like, if I was applying for the job in the education office at the point in time, I would have had a very hard time in that, you know, in that, like, in th- that culture, because you have a lot of just, it was a very quiet, 
bureaucratic administrative office, and they was just you know it's just not a. I mean, they they all they all really you know they all really got along, but you didn't have this feeling of, oh, there's a real hustle and bustle here. It's just like, what's 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 going on? Why is this all beige? Um, like that that would have been I, it, for me death. And so like what I had to do was I I, I had to make I'm you know, but like I think now if I was going to work for end of the group and I, I saw that I'm like I'm just not gonna. I know it sounds nuts, but like unless they're I mean. Honestly, there's no amount of money you could pay me to go back to an environment like that because it would just, for me, it'd be really, really difficult. I'm not saying that I want to be in some hip art gallery place, but I need to enjoy the environment that I'm going into every day. Yeah. And if it sucks or if it's something I'm just not into, after a while, it's going to actually kind of like be – it's going to be tough. I'm going to be a miserable person to – be married to <laughs> i'm coming home and she's gonna suffer yeah, you know and and i and i i think too like you know understand that like okay what's the culture of this place like that's really really important like most people i think that leave early on in a job it's mo- it's for the most part it's actually because of culture yeah yeah i would agree i, I don't think people realize to what extent i remember was one person being like oh my gosh i would love to work for the church i work at you know some company doing sales or whatever i would love to work for the church like you do and all that stuff and i'm like what do you think i do all day i do email just like you like like, there are some high you know peaks but it's mostly the valley of email like that's that's church work by and large it's not just giving talks and you know praying over people like everyone thinks it is and the problem is i feel like people who are more evangelically inclined join a church because they think that's where they'll evangelize people. When in fact you immediately get placed in a box by your non-church or partially church friends who will say things like, well, you're the church guy, you're the religious guy, you're the Christian guy, you're the Catholic guy, you're practically a priest, you're this or that. And they dismiss you and they write you off. And so you think you're going to go there and evangelize and really all you do is catechize the true believers who will buy anything, you know, Ascension Press publishes or Scott Hahn puts out or whatever. Right, like they're already there, and then you you kind of have that zeal either die or you got to find a movement more often than not, or you do a podcast. <laughs> and I want to talk about just a another as as aspect of um culture here. If I were to go to a place where, and I mean, this is going to sound awful, but like a lot of the jobs I'll be going for, especially after I get that sweet sweet degree from Notre Dame and that alumni network, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I was in a place that was very top down. That was if you if I had a meeting with a boss and it's just like hearing him every day telling us what we're going to do and that was it. I wouldn't work there because I I don't I would just be like, oh, buddy, F you, man, I'm done. Like I would just be I would get so could you imagine how miserable I would be at a thing like that? Yeah. And this is the thing that I did really enjoy about the about the archdiocese a lot. Very collaborative. Very, Mm. very collaborative. Same thing at Glenmere. I really enjoy I like a collaborative i like it and i of course like everyone says they are collaborative but but by that i mean we're like you have a group and you don't leave the room until you have a consensus of what you're going to do and the group does that together and if it's kind of like because you know for us it doesn't like when we look at efficiency for us that doesn't necessarily matter it's more effectiveness it's important to be efficient in certain things but it's really about we want to carry a you know big punch our meetings 
can last a little bit longer. And I like that. There are there are some drawbacks to that, obviously, and there are ways to you know um, there are ways to fix that. But if it's a thing where it's like you have to be highly efficient, it's bam, 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 and we're done. I don't know if I could really do that because mm. I need that five to ten minutes with everyone to try to like I'm a, I have to verbally process. And if it's a culture where that's not really how you do things, I'm not going to be a good fit. And so it's probably best if I don't go there because it's just not going to work. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah, in my, in, in my parish, I, I don't think I've ever worked in parishes where there's a lot of collaboration, especially across departments. I think oftentimes, you know, they talk about um, like Apple and the U.S. Army are, or U.S. military are two functional organizations where they train people for functions and then plop them into different departments. Whereas most companies are departmental organizations where once you get to a certain size, you build a department around, like, let's say, a product. Like Microsoft Windows over here. You got Office over there. You have the Windows laptop, PC, mice, you know, whatever hardware division. You got the servers over there. And the thing is that becomes very understandable because the idea of the organization is here's this one thing that's filled with a whole bunch of sub things that are almost like mm-hmm. mini companies mm-hmm. under themselves and they compete with each other and they compete for resources and talent and all this stuff. Steve Jobs famously when he took over Apple and then fired the whole board um, and then re- reconstituted it, one of the measures that he did was to return it to a, a functional organization. And in that he said I want one PNL sheet. One Profit and loss for the whole company. There's not 15 companies who all answer to one guy. No, there is one company, and all the different divisions will all focus on that one profit and loss statement, right? And that is how Apple has been run from that point to today. And it's fascinating because you lose some efficiencies in adopting that model. So, for instance, right, Apple's main bread and butter is the iPhone. There was a point where the Apple iPhone made more sales in one quarter than all of Microsoft combined for a year. So everything that Microsoft did for a full year couldn't equal just one product from Apple in one quarter. And it's fascinating when you start to see this, but then you find there are other problems like, you know, the reason why I became a Mac guy was the iLife software. So their iPhoto, iMovie, all of that stuff. And then you find out it's been like two years since it got updated. And now they're doing a much better job. But, And that's where, like, if that was a department like Microsoft Office, that stuff has to have annual updates. But it's funny because what I've noticed in parishes, it's the exact opposite of startups. Startups exist as functional organizations. And then when they get too big, they go departmental. So you have a guy in charge of sales and all salespeople respond to that guy. And you have a woman in charge of HR. You have a person in charge of you know development or whatever, technology. And that's what they're in charge of. And they have this C-suite level of, of, of executives who all kind of share the one unified vision and kind of know what's going on everywhere. But only one person is responsible. And they all have their own profit and loss statements. But the church is the exact opposite. It's almost once you have like three employees, it's immediately departmental. Like you got the pastor, you got the secretary. That's a really good they point. basically Yeah, well they basically do everything, but once you hire a person, it's like you're hiring a standalone department. And that person is responsible and then the priest immediately pulls back from his involvement in that department. So typically the third hire is 
a DRE, right? And it's very often that a priest has no idea what is going on in the faith formation of elementary kids and SAC prep. And they just say, hey, keep me posted, keep me informed, invite me to the events, right? Then you have show adult up, but if stuff. you can invite me, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to show up. I'm going to forget it. Yell at my secretary, who's the meanest person you've ever met, and then we'll just <laughs> perpetuate the cycle. I mean, it's true. Like, most Catholic parishes are run by, like, three people. Or, you know, because they're small. Most churches are small. Now, I go to a mega church. We, I did my parish staff retreat, and we had 36 people there. Right, so that's a totally different experience from most people's parents. Well, and I don't think I don't think a lot of Catholic um, or even apost- I don't think a lot of apostolates or parishes even think about what kind of culture do they want to create at, at their office. Which, if you yeah. are curious about that, I would encourage you to go read. Um, so go read, go and listen to the Land of the Giants podcast and binge their Netflix on the season. It's fascinating. So at Netflix. Back in like 2001, they had to fire about like one um, a third of their staff. And so the um, CEO who's, who um, is the same guy and the head of HR, at the, I think it was the head of HR at that time, got together and said, okay, we need to, how do we build a culture here where this doesn't ever, ha- like doesn't ever ha- um, happen again? And they did two things. One, they gave people an insane amount of, an insane amount of freedom. An insane amount of freedom to the point where when they first booked, when they first bought House of Cards to to like make their own TV show, the guy who didn't didn't tell the CEO or like uh, or have to get it approved. He just did it on his own. <laughs> wow! Like think about think about how much of a change. Think about how much that changed entertainment. Like because of that, we have Disney Plus. I think there is there is a line from that. Disney Plus, and he just did it on his own. But that's a culture that you know they had made. And two, you have to be a high performer at all times. And if people think you aren't anymore, if you really, or if you have like a drop or anything, they can report you, and you can be fired. So there's like a snitching thing where it's like, hey, this dude, he sucks. And like we all know people who are like, hey, this guy kind of sucks, or this girl kind of like she's kind of a drag, like. Yeah, but there you can go to your, you can go to them and say, "Hey, like this person, they need to be like they need to get better, or like they need to go." And that actually, the head of HR who installed that policy, she ended up being fired because of that. And she said, "Yeah, I started. I just, you know, I think I was burnt out, and it started the show, and it was time to go." And that's like they made a choice to do. They wrote it on index card, did like a ten point thing, and like. I'm actually kind of fascinated by that. Like, what kind of culture can you intentionally create to achieve the things that you, I'm not saying that we should model that by any means necessary, but I do think how can you bring about like high performance or a lot of energy or a lot of good collaboration? Like, you can actually intentionally make that happen. It's not easy, but you can do it. Yeah. And I think so many Catholic parishes, the reason why they almost default to departmental models is because they don't conceive of culture. They only see tasks mm-hmm. that need to get done. And those tasks are, well, we got to educate the children. Mm-hmm. We got to do the liturgy, right? I have to do the sacraments and give homilies and we got to educate. And so it's essentially a religious education system that then adds a handful of stuff to it. And no one's really intentional at any step of that process. Like we don't sit here and say – like this is the hard part about working for a a parish. And I'm just speaking for a parish, right? The hard part of the parish is 
Oftentimes, the people who are the most enthusiastic are placed in positions with the least influence of the culture in terms of the staff. So um, what I'm speaking here is of the youth ministers. The youth ministers are generally speaking, not all the time, younger or they are of a just a youthful mindset, right? Like they want to learn. They're okay with change. They're willing to scrap and burn everything they did the previous year if they feel like they can make something work better next year. I mean, like case in point, right? I have this thing with our seniors, our juniors and seniors, and it's not going super well. And so I was thinking about it as I was driving into work. I said, what do they need more than anything else that I uniquely can give them? And I thought, well, COVID took away all their extracurriculars. What if we did like a leadership training thing so that they could have better college resumes? And I evangelized them and I catechized them. But really, I just got to mentor these kids mm-hmm. in honestly what it means to be a leader. So I just threw that idea out to them. And they were like, oh, my God, yes. I don't know what to put on my dang college application because last year and this year have been robbed from yeah. us. Yeah. Like, yeah, we ha- I'm in band, but I- we have three events. Like, it's not even a full band season. And, you know, so, like, whatever it is, and, and games are getting shut down when too many players in the opposing team have COVID, and, you know, it's been nuts. So I'm like, okay, I'm literally going to work all next weekend or all during spring break so that the next Sunday we can do something new. You don't find that attitude across the board. No. no. And you don't find people who intentionally hire that level of hungry, right, in the parish setting. And typically, if you have someone with that level of hungry – they already have a good job in the corporate world. I think one thing that we did that we do here with our LLC torches together. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we hired Kate, uh, we told her like, like, you know, if, and like we were both, this is a thing that I think was just, just kind of how, but like, I think we're, we are both like this, but we also unconsciously made this choice. We told her when, you know, you have a seat at the table, so you can say this is stupid. <laughs> like, like you can say, hey, that episode, that was really dumb. Or you can say, hey, th- this idea for this merch, I don't like this. And your, vo- and your voice counts just as much as ours. Like, we want yeah. your input. We want you to feel like you have, you have an ownership in, in this. And I think to a certain degree, we've done a pretty good job with that. And it's a, it's a, it's a choice that you – because, like, like you're going to have a culture. Yeah. You're you're gonna so you can either just yep. assume it's gonna take on it'll take the form of you know your personality or how or how you do or don't want to deal with things, or you could you know um, try to make something happen. And I think a lot of people, when you want to change jobs, if you're in a really crappy a really crappy culture, don't this kind of again this is this is kind of linked to you know the other two, but it's very important not just to go anywhere just to get out, but you want to go in a place where, Hey, I'm going to thrive here or I'm going to be challenged here, but not to a point that's just ridiculous. Like yeah. you're not called to be martyrs for your job in a normal economy. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit different if it's like <laughs> an impression around and I just need that job. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of, I'm talking about like all things just being equal here. So. Hmm. That's super interesting because I think, I think that we have such a desire to alleviate, you know, in the in the standard American parish, we have a desire to alleviate the administrative burdens of the pastor, so that he can continue with the spiritual stewardship of the church, right? To dispense the gifts of the sacraments, to preach the gospel, to uh, heal and comfort the brokenhearted, right? That's what we want 
from our priests. And it's almost like we, we empower the laity through the parish councils and the finance councils and stuff like that to take some of the administrata from the priest and take it onto themselves, right? And I think there is an intense um, frustration when either the laity, instead of understanding their role as coming alongside the priest so that he can dispense the spiritual gifts of the church and try to, like, usurp his managerial authority, you know what I mean? Like, dictating to Father what should happen because I have a business degree and I'm on your finance council. There's there's an incredible danger there. There's also the danger of... Um, of not seeing value unless it's monetary or um, something tangible that that um, the movers and shakers benefit from. And then I think the final thing is uh, you can also have the priest in charge or whoever has these people with them. I guess you could do it in a movement. I just don't have a context for that. But the idea of like I'm now abdicating my role with these things. You guys do the budget. You guys do the money fights. You guys figure out the rooms. You guys figure out the annual calendar. You pick the curriculum. I trust you. Therefore, I'm not going to. But, like, that doesn't work because it's not It's not a simple thing, right? Like, I think of mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. CEO, one of the, Jack Welsh, who used to be the CEO of um, General Electric. Yeah, thank you. He said in his book where basically he's pretending like he wasn't a monster. But um, in his book, because he really was a terrible, terrible person. But um, <laughs> And I know this are people who work directly under him. But uh, he, he said in his book, which I can't remember what the title was. But um, he said in his book that the single most important person a CEO could hire is the head of HR. Because the single difference your company will make from other companies, from their comp- competition – is the quality of people you bring on and the culture those people bring mm. with them. And I thought that was so – because a lot of people say, like, I want the right fit. What is the right fit? Well, they're nice. They get along. What they're really saying is I want someone with an agreeable temperament. But you don't want someone with an agreeable temperament uh, when the ship is sinking. You want someone who has a disagreeable temperament who's willing to suffer the slings and arrows in order to right the ship. Right, you don't want someone who will just yes sir, yes sir. And it's funny, but like that as a personality trait, agreeableness is great when things are going well, and it's the worst thing imaginable when things are going poorly. This is why, if you have an like being intentional about your culture on matters, one of the best things I picked up from the Amazing Parish was when um, Patla was when like. Pat Lanchoni talked about, like, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to argue with each other. Like, get into confrontations. Like, hash this stuff out. Like, embrace – I think it was um, embrace conflict. Um, I, when you're able to do that in a way that is healthy, that's really cool. And two, this stuff is so important because this is I, – I firmly believe that after you have prayed and you know where God is calling you and you, like, have a community and you're, you know – this is how the church can change from one that is in maintenance. I hate I hate that term on oh, maintenance mode. Um, the church has been in operation mode because we're so used to everyone having to come to us. And right now we're going through the violent transition of now we need to be one that is on mission. And that is insanely – that's insane. And that is going to cause a lot of scars and it's going to be – and it's going to be really, really bloody. And 
the only ones I think that are actually going to are going to survive are ones that either just do it because of one, um, the force of will, or two, are actually intentional about the culture they want to build at their at um, their parish, their uh, you know like at um, their curia, their apostolate, or something. And when you do that, then you have an idea of who you are and where you're going and how you're going to do these things, which is insanely freeing. Yeah, I wish. I had someone at the diocese. I mean, I, I did have like I did. I, I just, let me I'm back up. I, I I had some help, especially from Sean. But in the beginning, it would have been great to have like a higher up and go, "Hey, Luke, half of your job is probably going to be you. Uh, uh, you know, you're going to want to go out to lunch at least twice a week. So make sure that that's in your budget." Mm. You know, like little things like like just like that, like that, or understand that, like, hey, you know what? When you use a credit card, it's not just for paying; it's for taking people out to eat and getting to know them, getting to understand them. So we're gonna, you know, like you should be going out to eat with people two to three times a week. You should be getting on a coffee with people probably like almost five times a week. Like this is what the card's for, you know? Not like why are you spending this on that? Like it's just like what are you talking? Like this is, you know, what I mean, like that. There's a huge that's. Yeah. There was a fear-based thing when it came to how you how you spend money at a place that's focused on operations because they're used to everyone coming to us, which means, okay, so we have to do this stuff, which means we have like a certain amount of money to one that says, hey, we need to reach all these people. So how much money do we need in order to do that? It's a, it is a monumental shift for the church especially, but it's the same thing at all – at like all of our apostolates as well. They're not they're – no, they're, not, they're um, not immune to any of this. Yeah, man. This is the crazy thing about like, Matthew Kelly because he's right when he says this stuff. He's 100% right. Yeah. Hire for culture in that one of his Yeah, things. totally. Culture, yeah. He, it's, 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 on, it's on the wall of Dynamic Catholic as you walk in. I'm not sure if, if it's there anymore. I haven't I've been there in like a couple of years, thank God. Uh, it says, um, culture beats – it's a quote from Drucker, I think. Um, culture beats strategy every time. And I believe that for the most part. Yeah. No, I mean, I believe it 100% across the board. Because if you have a good culture, culture yeah. beats strategy. Yeah. I mean, because you can come up. So um, one of the interesting things that, so yeah, one of the interesting things that we did at work is we did a 360 degree leadership survey. That's where you send out a series of questions. We had a consultant who's a parishioner, so it was all handled by him. But he sends out an email, you click a link, and you anonymously answer uh, seven different categories and you rate, you know, from strongly disagree to strongly agree, you rate how, and we said the leadership team as a whole and rate it how you feel. And then at the very end, you get opportunities for comments and you can comment about anything, any way, shape or form. We don't know who it is. We can't track you. And it's a very humbling and sobering thing. And so I, you know, as you start to go through it, you begin to realize like, you begin to see the things that people like me, if I were in a different role, would be upset about. And one of those things is a lack of collaboration between people or de- between departments. And I've said that. And I remember I used to be the champion of that, and I'm not really anymore. But when I was at St. Lawrence, I would say all the time, we need cross-department projects. I need to know that the people – and there was a separate building where the different staff were versus the faith formation staff. And uh, I was like, I need to know – I need to be able to draw on the skills of those people over there and me over – and it doesn't have to be in my purview. It should hit my skills and strengths and stuff. But, like, 
we need to think of new and creative things to do in the name of the church into our community. Like we need to come up with something new, something different, something we've never done before and do it as a collaborative effort among different members of the staff. So when that never happened, I began saying yes, and I did this too much, but I said yes to multiple committees. And that was the closest thing that we ever came to across the interdepartment collaboration, which was committees. And the committees would meet and you'd have lay people and then people from different stakeholder coworkers. And you would all work on one topic. And so one was the parish website. You know, how are we communicating effectively? And do you know how we resolved the parish website issue? Luke? I, love, I can't wait to hear it. it. Luke, it was one of the funniest things. So I had complete dis- – I despised our current website. And I went, and this woman was in charge of it who was a parishioner, and she was super helpful, but she loved a lot of text, and she hated white space. So she would write paragraphs for things that just needed a heading, and I'm not exaggerating. And so everyone, I surveyed every person in every department and asked, if we had a new website, what would you want? What do you hate about the new one? What do you love? What do you see? What do you need? And I brought all of this data to the committee, and the committee was two other people on staff and then four other people who were volunteers, including this one woman who basically ran it. And everyone on staff hated it, and every volunteer hated it except for her, but everyone knew it was her baby, and no one said anything. And so the task was – this went on for six weeks, every other week, so for 12 weeks, for six meetings, and – The last one was everyone needs to go and bring in examples of websites that they love that we should go to. And people brought in all these wonderful, dynamic, you know, plenty of white space, beautiful layouts, photo Mm -hmm. rotators Mm because that was the hotness. So what I did was I went on eCatholic and I signed up for uh, just a trial account and I imported by copy and pasting. Every single page in our parish website into the new website. Yeah. And I called it St. Michael the Gomer. <laughs> and I even I, I stole images from other churches and I put them in their photo rotator of kids smiling. And here's our parish festival. And people, they were like, oh, and I, because I was going crazy, Luke, because no one could say what they were thinking out loud. And even I, you know, like I cowed because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I didn't know how to say, wow, this sucks. Everyone thinks it sucks. We need to move on. It was like, well, this could be better and we need more white space and blah, blah, blah. So I literally just did the entire website. And they go, wow, this is amazing. And look how it slides. And well, that looks like our events coming up. And I was like, eh, plot twist. It's me. <laughs> I did it all. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, that's St. Lawrence. I did everything except for like what's literally on the homepage because I didn't want so, to give it away. Okay, this, this um, brings up an important point that I would. Uh, that uh, I want to ask you if you could like if you're at a parish or or, or, or anything, but let's just kind of do parish because that's that's us yeah like what's one cultural thing that you would say we're doing this just like one thing what, what do you mean like, what do you what's mean what's one like what's one thing you'd want to do it's like I want to create a I'm a culture that does this or like this is a this is a part of our culture one thing I want a culture that is incredibly collaborative. I think for me, what I would, what I really want to see is one that isn't afraid to go. This sucks. What you're doing sucks. Yeah, candor. Yeah, just yeah. like really being able to say like this isn't good. Um, and like if this is going to be fixed, like you should probably go. Like I just I, I I want people to feel like hey, if I'm not doing a good thing here. 
I, I don't want it to be <coughs> sorry. I don't, I don't want it to be a place where people are fired all the time by any means necessary, but one where people mm-hmm. feel like, hey, I've got to do. I have. There's there's a there is a standard here, and I'm going to be held accountable for that. Yeah, you have to bring your A game because if you're if you're consistently mediocre, every, the whole thing fails. And I don't think people realize that. Like, if you put forward mediocre youth ministry you won't get a young adult ministry in three to five years because they won't want to come back. And then people don't realize this. You won't have Christian marriages and then Christian baptisms of infants. You won't have that. Like that's the result of shitty youth ministry, right? And if you have shitty faith formation, they're not going to want to go into youth ministry. And if you have terrible liturgies, they're not going to be inspired to want to go to church, let alone to sign up for faith formation. Like, People don't realize, like, when you are comfortable with status quo mediocrity, when you're in maintenance mode, it really does chip away at people's faith. It, it really it does. does. It does. That's why Sherry Waddell says maintenance cannot maintain. It kills. It, it's, it's, it's honestly a cancer. I love this idea that this, this um, is a Pixar thing. They have a thing called the brain trust where if a person's um, – if they are um, – if they ha- have a movie that they are working on and they are just completely stuck – um, and they will um, they'll get together with past directors, past writers, past like producers. They're not being unpaid to do it. They're just there because they love Pixar, and they'll spend a couple hours and hey, I'm I'm having an issue with this one scene here. Tell me what you think about this. And as a group, they just like and they can like take their advice or they can leave it. I think, but like they can like, but they're just they're just like you're getting an outside group to say. Hey, I'm stuck here. Help me. And I think that at a at a parish, at a church apostolate, would be really, really cool. We're like, hey, we're gonna yeah. um, bring in this guy who used to be involved with, uh, um, with us, but he's gone now. But he knows a lot of good stuff that, like, he understands us. Or we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna try to like work the. You know, we're gonna kind of explain the problem. We're gonna spend an afternoon on this. We're gonna explain the context and everything behind it, so people all all understand. We just want their opinion. Yeah, you know what's funny is I. I thought you were going to ask me a different question. I thought you were going to say, if you, if you were having that conversation now, what would be one thing that would be different about the website stuff? Because that was, you know, that was eight years ago when I was doing middle school youth ministry. Uh, you know, and, and, and it was true. The people who were the most enthusiastic had the least amount of influence. And I thought if our church hit a re- – if our economy hit a recession – Middle school youth ministry would be like the first thing to go because you would just say, high school youth ministers, you're now doing that. You know, maybe the sixth graders goes to elementary faith formation, but everyone like just take over that role. We're firing that person, you know, like if layoffs came. And so I said, I have to make myself indispensable. I have to be involved at every level so that I can earn my place so that they fire everyone else but me. So the idea was, like, I got to double down. So that's how – what's one of the reasons why I ended up on all these committees. Mm-hmm. The positive one was I wanted collaboration with coworkers. The other one was uh, a, a little fear-based, like, I might lose my job, so how can I become as indispensable as, as possible um, by being more involved and having more influence. But the interesting thing is I think I would have totally run – I, I would have asked to run the committee – and not just be a part of it um, for the overhauling of the website. But I, I think what we absolutely should have done was let's all list the things we do not like about the current website. And if that woman could not handle it, if that person who designed the website and filled it all in and stuff, if she couldn't handle it, then she would leave the committee and not, then she would not get a vote. 
right? Like the idea is it's so important. It is the front porch to, you know, 7 billion people if they were to Google St. Lawrence in Sugarland. Like it it matters. Your digital totally. front porch matters. And to let the community suffer for the ego of one person or the feelings. Now, I'm not saying that that's what this woman was like. I'm just saying that's how we were acting because we were all so nice. I would have definitely used the skills I've picked up in the last, like, five years of, like, we need to have a difficult conversation because this conversation matters. And it matters because you have been the sole person responsible. But the people who should have been responsible for you – just let you go and do whatever the heck you want. No one commented. No one corrected. So it's not really her fault. She was doing the most she could with what was thrown at her, what was left behind when everyone else left the room. And now that there's some nerds who take this stuff seriously, it's like, okay, well, now you've owned it. Now it's it's like now you covet it and you're zealous and envious and you got to open your hand. It's like it's not your website. It's the churches. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think um, one thing, too, that I really like, and then, I mean, feel free to, we're getting kind of long here, so we can start to wrap, wrap stuff up. At Marvel, I've heard um, James Gunn uh, say, like, look, here's the, here's the thing about um, Marvel that some people don't understand. It's like, you cannot have an ego because everyone is at the service of the story. And the story is a part, uh, is a part of a, you know, it's part of a of a bigger universe and if you can't handle that like you're gone there are certain things that like it just it has to you've got to fit it in there and that's just part of your or they'll say like this is like this isn't a thing even though you want the character to, to do this this isn't who this character is and i think part of that's probably part of why they've made you know 80 billion i don't know made 80 billion but you know they've made a lot of money because they understand what works for them they have a culture where it's like hey this is like, I mean, they have fired major directors from their from their projects. Yeah. Like um, Edgar Wright, I think his name is from Ant Man. I would have loved to have seen his version of Ant Man, but apparently, it just didn't work with them. And he's like, "That's I'm, I don't think that's really because of him per se, but that, that like that might not have been you know he probably I would have, I think he wanted more freedom to do this stuff. Like, well, we have to be able to do blah 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 blah, or this isn't what Ant Man does. And it's just that's they're willing to fire major people because that's more important. Yeah, so it's not like Tom. This is the tyranny of of uh, what's his name, Kevin Feige. Yeah, it's not the tyranny of Kevin Feige. He's the keeper of the vision. Yeah, t- totally. Right, absolutely. And that's what he should be. And keeping the vision means chasing away those who would corrupt the vision. Yeah, and you have to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And 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 so one of the ways. So I am very conflict averse. I talk a big game on a microphone, but I am very conflict averse. And it used to be when I would get into conflict, and you know this from college days, like with girlfriends breaking up and stuff, I get very I, – I speak very fast. My voice gets very high-pitched. And I'm like, you know, and then the real problem is you're not doing – and that is that is literally verbal backpedaling. Like I'm trying to get the hell out of Dodge and not get all the blame and fix problems and blah, blah, blah. And now I feel like I have so much more confidence in having difficult conversations even when my emotions are high, like I just had one the other day, and my emotions were sky high in terms of like anger and um, frustration that I was feeling because it was a situation that was out of my control, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad situation, but it could be for an individual, uh, a largely a self-imposed cross. And I didn't know 
I didn't know fully how to articulate and communicate it, but I had to. And so I was like, I just wanted to like, just stop doing this stuff. <laughs> you know, like, Arr! But I had to be able to like clearly march a pathway through. So actually what I've been doing on my leadership team, and it, it doesn't actually always pan out, but whenever there's a difficult conversation that needs to be had and it doesn't necessarily fall to the direct report or whatever, I volunteer for it. Because I need to practice navigating very difficult things mm -hmm. because it's so contrary to my nature. It's like I will rely on my skills, not on what I want naturally. Because what I want naturally is to not to run and hide, but to so sugarcoat it, it's almost like there's no problem at all. You know? And so I've, I've had hard conversations with other people's employees not because I think they're incapable of it, but because I need to be better at it. I want to be the best at it. And so I, I would encourage people, if, if you believe in candor or collaboration or whatever, like you need to start doing this too yourself in the organization you're already at. Yeah. And the only way to do it is you have to – you just have to like, – and, and, and this is how you get – like if you don't do this stuff, this is how you get to know what's important to you. Because like what yeah. if you're someone who doesn't want to collaborate at time? There are people who are like that, and that's fine. It's not in the world. Right. You know, or who don't – they don't want to be in a meeting where, like, things get drawn out because you got, like, four extreme extroverts who have to be heard for 20 minutes. I'm about to cough again. I'm so sorry. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Stereo. Thank you to uh, Chewy Life uh, – Choose Life. Sorry, Chewy Life. Choose Life. Uh, again, Everly loves their baby um, rosary thing. She chews on it all the time. It's They're great. They're awesome. And thank you as well to um, um, BetterHelp for, again, sponsoring a, another episode of Catching Foxes. Uh, I really want to encourage you guys. I, I, was in a, I actually attended a really cool thing with Patreon today where I'm trying to just – I really want to make our on the Patreon place the best that it can be with the minimal, with the least amount of work. No, but I really want to find how to just um, make it a uh, great place. And I was just, uh, when I heard all the stats and all the stuff, I was just like really almost shocked to hear how good of a Patreon um, community we we have. And you guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, we beat the average amount that um, that like people give. We, you know, we've got a really good conversion rate from like audience to patrons like you guys are incredible people started to you know they now have like a yearly giving option um patreon is the reason why we're able to keep doing this at, at the rate that we do and yeah. uh i want to um, thank you all again you guys are we have a great community there i loved everyone's thoughts on wandavision even if two-thirds of you are wrong it was great um <laughs> can't wait to watch you'll, it. you'll love it you'll absolutely love it um uh yeah it's just the best so again if you want to um be a part of that we would ask them, will we please come and uh, join our um, gang of just great people, honestly, at patreon.com slash CF. Again, that's patreon.com slash CF. The gang of greatness. The gang of greatness. The gang of greatness. Now, all right. Bye. Do you know what I really miss is when we got free bags of coffee from Guadalupe Roast Roastery. Do you still get that? Yeah. No. No, I haven't got that in years. I moved, then I stopped. I'm getting at it, and it crushed me. I'm like, guys, I love this. Um, we got a really nice coffee maker here. You haven't seen it yet. Uh, I have not. It's 
it kind of costs about a thousand dollars, and it's really, really nice. Uh, got it for us. No, <laughs> they can get father love buying for you. Oh, never mind. Because winter on, you married his favorite daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so. Uh, yeah, actually, probably the favorite child. No, I, I'm just kidding. I don't know. If, I don't know if Aaron's the favorite or not. I don't think that they have. To. All right, Luke. What was your topic? Well, let me let me hear this thing really quick first, and then we'll go into the, to the topic. Totally. Hi, this is Mana from Lansing, Michigan. Um, I love you guys. I love the show, thank and you. I love, love you. um, your stereo shows after thank shows. You. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, oh, man, that, that makes that me was, happy. That was I so really- nice. Yeah. I really do like doing this. Without the, all the weirdness I, I, of the app, I really do like doing it. I could see us, you know, maybe continuing to do this uh, once a week might be a bit much, but maybe once a month. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I do enjoy uh, doing this. The best part is how we are authorized users. So the more we keep going, maybe if this contest keeps going, we'll keep making more money, baby. I know. That's the thing that I love. <laughs> we kind of make $10 no off of it. Yeah. Of a very new person that subscribes to our show. So if you guys want to go ahead and share this, that would be great. That'd be really <laughs> nice. You don't have to listen. Just Yeah. We get $1 for every person who listens, but we get $10 for every person who joins because of the show show and then yeah. it's like there's so much math of like all the ways that we make money and luke goes hey did you log on to the app and i go what do you mean he goes, did you get your money i go what do you mean did i get my money he's like get that he's money telling me what to do because the app is not intuitive no, but there's no, this thing no. where you hit it and there's these leaderboards and i had like 500 dollars sitting there no it wasn't <laughs> but uh and I'm like, what is this? How how do I get this goodness in me? So Luke had to walk me through it. But now now I'm good. I'm legit. <laughs> Funny, those are the same words that were that were said on your wedding night. <laughs> <laughs>